Single adults, seriously, we are just very honored and blessed to have so many uh, in our church family. And this message is specifically for single adults. Now, many of you are saying, I am not single, I am married. But I think you will look at this text with me today. It is very apropos, it is very appropriate for all believers. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you will find 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, very, very pertinent and very powerful, and it speaks to us directly as all believers. I couldn't help but think of Beyonce's All the Single Ladies. I've been thinking about that song all week, and I'm not a Beyonce fan, but it's interesting as I looked at that um, song this week, uh, there's a line in there that is absolutely profound. You're thinking nothing in that song could be absolutely profound. I've heard it. I've watched it on the Super Bowl. But listen to these lines. She says, don't treat me to the things of the world. I'm not that kind of girl. Your love is what I prefer. That's what I deserve. You know, I think when you peel back the, the layers and relationships, ultimately, I think all single adults would agree that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for genuine love, love that we can receive and then we can reciprocate and we can give uh, to another. There are 51% of the population in Austin, Texas, consists of single adults. And as I said a moment ago during the greeting, most of the people who visit our church, the majority of first-time guests would be single adults. Just curious this morning, how many of you are single this morning at Great Hills Baptist Church? And you are scattered all over our congregation. God bless you. Thank you. I hope this message does two things for you. I hope, number one, that it absolutely encourages you. Um, I I really do. I I want to encourage you. I want to come alongside of you and say, God loves you, and God created you. He has an amazing plan for your life. Right now, that plan entails you being single. Some of the greatest people, I would say the two greatest people who ever walked upon the face of the earth never got married, and that would be the Apostle Paul and somebody help me, would be the second person. That would be Jesus Christ. I believe, and I have been researching all week, I have contacted my scholarly New Testament friends, historical theology friends who know far more than I will ever know up at the seminary, and they've been researching for me, and we have been trying to determine, was Timothy single or married when the Apostle Paul penned these words, around A.D. 60 to his young son in the faith, his protege, the man that he led to Christ, the man that he discipled, the man that was raised in a very strong Christian family, was Timothy married or single? And the answer has come back to me. Oh, it's profound. Y'all ready to hear it? They told me, we don't know. I'm like, thank you very much. I believe he was single. Now, I I can't prove that, and I've tried, and I've looked at it. You say, well, I know he was single because Paul said, don't let anybody look down upon you because you are young, but not necessarily. Neotis, the Greek word for young, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Neotis could refer to anybody 40 years of age and younger. Many people believe, myself included, that Paul wrote this letter to Timothy when he was about 35 years of age, okay? So let's read the text. It is a powerful passage of Scripture, and I cannot wait to get into this text with you today. This is my favorite kind of preaching, by the way. 
where I can just take one or two, three or four passages of Scripture and then just dive in deep into God's Word and take every word, every single word, and just analyze it and evaluate it and just allow the Spirit of God who wrote the Word, inspired the Word, that same Spirit of God, may He illuminate our minds and our hearts so that single adults and all that are here today would take it and receive it and be, number one, encouraged. Number two, I genuinely desire not just to encourage, but also to give a word of exhortation, a word of challenge, a word that comes along our single adults and says, listen, I'm not going to cater to you. I'm not going to water the word of God down for you. No, I'm going to give you straight up just like it is. And I hope that you receive it because I'm telling you guys, there are some, this, there are some strong words here for us. And when you hear this message today at the end, I think you're going to say, boy, you weren't kidding because, boy, Paul cuts Timothy no slack, just like the Bible says, you are my people, you are my prized possession. I love you, I have redeemed you, I have saved you, I've placed my Holy Spirit of God within you, and I've got great expectations for you. So let's read it. Let no one despise let nobody, Timothy, despise your youth, your neotes, but be a, an example. Be an example to the believers in the following ways. In your speech, your lagos, literally your words, in your anastrophe, and that is a great word. We're going to look at it and analyze it in a few moments. Anastrophe means all your behavior, everything that you say, everything that you do, Paul says, Timothy, let it be exemplary. May people look at you and want to mimic you and imitate you and follow you and say, wow, there is a grand example of a man or a woman of God, and man, I want to pattern my life after them. The word example, by the way, is tupos type. It's where we get the word type, and it means to pattern, to form a pattern or mold. Timothy, no, no, no. Don't waste your time worrying about what people think about you. Hey, do, do all of us suffer from that or what? By the way, Timothy was also a pastor. And as a pastor, he, he was susceptible to this. People looking down on him for this reason or that reason. People disagreeing with him for that or for that. Paul says, don't worry about that. You please God and let God take care of the rest of it. And don't let people look down on you because you're young or you're younger. But be an example to the believers in your lagos, in your anastrophe, and in your agape, in your love. By the way, there are many Greek words that we could use for love. Eros, erotica, if you will. Uh, storge, filie, but none of them are used here. This is the word agape. Agape is the preeminent word used in the New Testament for, listen to this, sacrifice. Love equals sacrifice. All right, in spirit. Now, some manuscripts do not have the, the word spirit. Some of the older manuscripts don't. Some do, so I'm going to include it. In spirit, in pistis, in faith. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about that in a moment. And then finally, in hagnia. Hagnia is used two times in the Greek New Testament. And one of those times is right here. And this is an interesting word. We translate it purity, and we'll talk about it 
in a few minutes. So let me give you a little bit of the context, what is going on. Timothy is a young pastor. Some say he's not the pastor at Ephesus, but he is at least appointed by Paul to give leadership and direction. Now, Paul is older, he is aged, he is wise, he is mature, and people are putting Paul up on this pedestal, and then they're looking at Timothy going, is this what we got here, Timothy? Man, you're you're just a young whippersnapper compared to that guy, that guy, Paul. Paul's like, Timothy, don't listen to them. Just listen to me. I have called you, I have placed you there. You be an example to your flock, to your congregation. Now, Timothy, many people believe, he had a uh, self-complex. Um, he, he wasn't the most confident guy in the world. How do you know that? 2 Timothy 1 says, says, says these words. Paul says, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of, anybody know this word? Fear or timidity. But God has given us a spirit of power, dunamis, and love, and a sound mind and confidence so, Timothy, I am writing to you, and you are God's man, and, I, and God has placed you in a very difficult city. And what was that city? It was the city of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was not some rural, backwoods, podunk country town. Ephesus, the, the best dynamic equivalent that I can give us today of Ephesus is New Orleans, Louisiana. Y'all are going, New Orleans? Yes. It was the main port harbor of all of Asia Minor. They boasted a population up to 500,000 people. It had one of the seven ancient wonders of the known world, and that wonder was called the Temple of Artemis, or Diana. And she was a monstrosity of an idol. The people believed this multi-breasted idol had just fallen out of the heavens and landed in Ephesus, and everybody worships this goddess called Artemis or Diana. Now, here's the interesting part about the worship. It was, one writer said, it was unspeakably vile because they had multitudes of temple priestesses and they were nothing more than temple prostitutes. I cannot adequately describe to you the sexual temptation that faced Timothy and every other single adult, every other married person in Ephesus. Listen, if you live for Jesus Christ in Ephesus, you can live for God in Ephesus any city. They were the minority. They were oppressed. It seems like the whole world was given over to sexual immorality. I mean, after all, you just go worship your God and have sex on the temple grounds. That's what you did. Austin's not so hard after all, is it? No, I know Austin's hard. I've not always been married. Most of my life, come to find out, I have been married. 26 27 years over against the 22 years that I was single. And I faced the same kind of temptations that you single adults face today with this one caveat. My generation, it wasn't near as difficult as your generation. If you're a single adult today and you're trying to walk with God, it is hard. It's more than hard. 
because you are inundated with temptation, with immorality. We have something that the early church did not have, and that's called the internet. And the internet is just right there at your fingertips, and you can look at it, and you can view it, and I don't care what anybody else says. What I'm about to tell you is the absolute, unequivocal, inexorable truth. When you look at pornography on the internet or any other way, that is wrong in the eyes of God, and you got to stay away from that. You just got to remove your eyes from that. So if you're going to walk with God and live for Jesus Christ and be a young adult, be a single adult in Austin, Texas, God be with you because it's not easy. But guess what? The Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you are not alone. And you have a church. You have a loudmouth Baptist Bible-preaching guy up here To the best of his ability, he is going to equip you and encourage you to be the man, the woman of God that he's called you to be. So instead of falling prey to the sexual temptation, instead of falling prey to immorality and to drunkenness and a whole litany of sins, instead of just being, well, I'm just one of the guys, brother, I'm just one of the girls, well, Lord, help me, I just can't, no, yes, you can't help it. And not only can you help it, you're going to help it, and then you're going to be an example to the rest of us. That's what I'm appealing to you today. You'll be an example to us. We will look at you and say, man, if she can do it, then I can do it. That, this is the thrust, the heartbeat of what Paul is telling Timothy. Isn't that interesting? He's not just saying, oh, bless you, Timothy. I'm so sorry. Ephesus is so hard. Bless your soul. No. He says it is hard. But guess what? I've got great plans for you, Timothy. I want you to lead that church, and I want you to be pure in every dimension of your life. So let me, let me begin, first of all, with the word of encouragement, and then we'll get into the actual challenging part of it. Encouragement, verse 12a, he says, Timothy, let nobody despise your youth. The word despise there in the Greek New Testament, interesting enough, is a present active imperative. It is an imperative command, Timothy... Don't let anybody despise you. Now, unpack that with me in your mind for just a moment. Can Timothy control whether people will despise him or not? No, he cannot. I cannot control what you think, what you say, what you do. Timothy, as a young pastor, he could not control what people said about him, what people thought about him, what people did to him. Paul said, I know you can't control that. But here's what you can control. You can control your reaction to it. So don't let people despise you. Don't let people look down upon you. If they do, you just give it back to them and say, God bless you, I'm going to pray for you. But Timothy, don't get wrapped up in that. If you get so wrapped up in what people say and think and do, and and you you don't have a, a confidence in Christ, then you're going to fall. You're going to fall prey. So don't let anybody despise you or look down upon you. And single adults, I want, to, I want to give you this word. Don't let anybody look down upon you. And people start gossiping about you, and you turn your backs, and, oh, man, that girl's almost 30, 40 years old. She's still saying, I wonder what in the world is going on with her. I mean, look at that guy. I mean, what? Honey, I was married 100 years before that guy was ever born. Listen, people say that to you. 
you've got one or two things you can do. You can give them five of these where they sneeze, and I know some of you are tempted to do that. Or you can just say, hey, that's your opinion. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you, and then go on. Just move on. Don't let anybody look down upon you. Paul says, Timothy, because you're young, and we could say, I think safely, don't let anybody look down upon you if you are a follower of Jesus Christ for absolutely no reason. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to them. Just keep, keep marching on. You say, well, that's easy uh, for you to say because you don't live where I live. And you're not dealing with the kind of things that I'm dealing with. And I'm just going to be absolutely honest with you. You're right. I, I don't. I, I'm not in your world. If I could preach a whole lot better today if I were single for you who are single. Okay? I, I get that. But I can offer words of affirmation and encouragement. And in your mind, you just determine today. Why don't you determine with me in your mind today that when people give me that jaundiced look, and when people say those words about me, whether it's because I'm young, it's because I'm single, because I'm short, because I'm whatever, just say, God, you created me. God, you love me. God, you saved me. God, you got a great plan and a purpose for me. So I am just all right. God bless you. You say, man, is that the end of the sermon? No, it's not. That's point one and introduction. Point two, oh, I can't wait to get into this with you this morning. A word of exhortation. Paul says, yes, don't let anybody look down upon you, but that is a key word. Paul is about to make a transition, and he uses this conjunction to move, I think, from a word of encouragement to a word of exhortation or to a word of challenge and admonition. Timothy Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but be. Now, the word be, B-E, is a present middle imperative. And that's interesting because the middle voice puts more emphasis on that subject. You yourself be ongoingly, habitually, perpetually, Timothy, are you getting this? Don't let people look down on you, but you focus. I just almost see Paul going, Listen to me. Focus on what I'm telling you. Be a tupas. Be an example, Timothy. Be a mold, a pattern. Uh, be, a, be a person that all the congregation in Ephesus and all of your friends and your colleagues and everybody can look to you and say, now there's the real deal. Man, Timothy is an example of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to follow his example. Let me ask you single adults a question. This is a loaded question. This is one of those oh my questions. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. What if everybody at Great Hills Baptist Church followed your example? I mean, really. What if everybody here today would follow you in everything you said, everything you thought, everything you looked at on the internet, every, every way you behaved, would you be that type? 
Would you be that model? Would you be that example? Could you stand before the congregation of God and say, that's true, I am not perfect, I know, but with all that is within me, I am marching toward the Lord and I am serving Him and I'm sold out to Him. I'm giving everything I can to Him. Wouldn't that be awesome? That we could stand up and say, like Paul said, mimetes me, mimetes me, mimic me, imitate me, because I am imitating Christ. Okay, here we go. Let's, let's go through all six of these. There are six of these very concrete molds, if you will, patterns that Timothy would to, was to exemplify so that everybody could follow him. Number one in his speech, logos is the word. You know, single adults, the Bible has so much to say about words. You know, words can build us up, and words can tear us down. Uh, start a fire in our hearts or put it out. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next week's sermon, which, by the way, I am so excited about preaching on the power of blessing and cursing in the words we speak to one another. You know, Jesus, some of the hardest things he said, well, let me rephrase that, the hardest things he said, were to the religious establishment, to the scribes and the Pharisees in the New Testament era. They had this hypocrisy going on. And they would think one thing, and then they would say another thing, or they would say one thing and live another thing. And, 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 and Jesus, he called them out one day, and he basically called them a bunch of snakes. <laughs> I know. He said, you brood of vipers. This is Matthew chapter 12, 34 through 37. How can you, being evil, speak good things? Now, here it is. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Is that not incredible? Is that not revelatory? Is that not genius? Is that not the mind of God? Is that not true? That out of my heart, what's really in my heart always comes out of my teeth, always comes off of my tongue. Absolutely. Jesus was absolutely right. He keeps on saying a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, he brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. Now watch this. But I say to you, don't you wish there are some verses that just weren't in the Bible? This is one of them. I'm just like, oh my lid. Lord, that's tough. Well, it's tough because I'm guilty. Okay? Every idle word you say, you are going to give account of it in the day of judgment. Wow. By your words, you're going to be justified, and by your words, you are going to be condemned. He says, Timothy, be an example to all the church in what you speak, in the very logos, the words that you say. One of our deacons shared with me this week, he, he was at a restaurant, and he overheard these two ladies talking. I don't know if you call this eavesdropping or just kind of lean in and listen to them. They were getting after it. They were slicing and dicing. I mean, they were ripping it up, getting after it, on like Donkey Kong. I mean, they were just like, rah, rah, rah. they were just going about their church and the music in their church. 
Now, he didn't tell me whether they were Great Hills members or not. I don't think they were. And, and our deacon was like, really? I mean, they were getting after it. There was nothing godly about it whatsoever. Of course, unless they said, well, let's just pray about it. <laughs> let's just pray about our church. And, and let me tell you something, guys. Whether you're a single adult, whether you're married, Jesus said, every word you say, you're going to be held accountable. Be careful about backbiting, about gossip, about anything that would be derogatory, anything that would be negative, anything that would rip somebody apart. Timothy, come on now, you're a, you're a pastor, especially you. You've you got to be careful what you say. There was a pastor, I read this true story about a pastor who went to a church to be the interim pastor. And that, that, was a, that was part of my life. I've been an interim pastor in many churches, especially when I was teaching seminaries. And this one pastor, Bible teacher, interim pastor, went to this church, and they called him to be their interim pastor. But as soon as he set foot on campus, it seems like everybody was talking to him about this one single adult. He thought, this is odd. This is strange. Nobody is that amazing. I mean, he's just kind of jaded a little bit. And they said, oh, you, you, don't, you don't know about, about her. I mean, I tell you, this, this is one of the most amazing ladies in our church. She's single, and she just, man, she just loves God, and she is really an amazing Christian. And he said, well, i got to meet this girl, and i got to find out what's so special about this young 20-something that everybody in the church is talking about. By the way, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome if all of you came to me and said, man, let me tell you about this single adult. This lady is amazing. So the professor preacher went to her, and he goes, oh, he was expecting her to be some beauty queen. He said she was very average looking, not really attractive. I mean, just very average. So he goes, how are you? She says, um, I, I am fine. And, and how are you? He says, well, I am fine. He says, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. She said, well, in about 30 seconds, she told about herself, and then she said, now you tell me about you. She said, you know, it's, it's probably pretty amazing being a Bible teacher and now being our pastor here, and, and I, I, bet you have, I bet you just live an amazing life. Would you just take a minute and tell me about your life? And he says, well, sure. And then he said about five minutes into talking and her going, wow, that's all she goes. He just started laughing. He said, I got you figured out. You just care about people. You, you, you just are interested in people. And she just kind of smiled, you know, because it wasn't about her. It was about the other person. And I thought, wasn't that cool? And just what we say and how we live and how we conduct our lives, being exemplary, being a tupas, being a type, being a mold, being an example in our speech. Number two, in our conduct. Oh, this is a big word. This is the word anastrophe, and I've shared this word with you, and I'm sure all of you remember it and have it memorized, but I want to share it with you again. The, the, the word is used in 1 Peter, and I want to read it to you, chapter 2, and it's used in James chapter 3. Now, if you're cross-referencing and you're taking notes and you're writing this down in, in your journal, that's awesome. You should be. Peter says, having your anastrophe, same word, honorable among the Gentiles, that when they, the Gentiles, speak evil against you as a follower of Christ, and they say that you're an evildoer, they may, by your anastrophe, by your good deeds, 
that they observe, oh my, they will glorify God in the day of visitation. My translation of that is, my interpretation is this. These people who are pagans and, I mean, just antagonistic toward God and the things of God, and they curse you and they rebuke you and they just think you're the dumbest thing since a roach had crawled on the earth, and yet you just receive it and you love God and you reciprocate with love. They, after a while, they just say, well, what do you have that I don't have? And they get saved and they glorify God because of your anastrophe. Let me give you another one, James 3, 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good anastrophe, by good conduct, that his works are, they are done in meekness or humility of wisdom. Conduct. How many of y'all are familiar with Katie Davis? Kisses from Katie. Katie Hurt, I know you are. I saw you reading that book not long ago. She was about 18 years of age in 2006, and she went on a mission trip. She said, I'm going to go on this mission trip to Uganda. I'm going to spend, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just spend the first year that I would be in college, and I'll just go and serve, and I will come back to America. Well, that was 2006. She's still there, still single, but now she has a lot of children. Let me explain. Yeah, please let me explain. She went over there, and she absolutely fell in love with these Ugandan children. And the poverty that was there absolutely astounded her. And she saw a nine-year-old girl who was being mother and father to her seven- and five-year-old sister-siblings. Are y'all with me? She's nine, and she's doing everything that a mom and a dad would do for a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And Katie Davis saw that, and she goes, oh, my word, I can't go back home. This is now my home. And she just poured her life into the Ugandan children. And I'm telling you, the, the results are amazing. I mean, she is feeding hundreds of children now. She is ministering the gospel to them, and she is personally the mother of 13 of them. Katie Davis, at 26 years of age, has 13 Ugandan children. Those are her children that she just adopted into her life. I don't know about y'all, but I think that's a good anastrophe. I think that's good conduct. Listen to what she said, though. She said, you know, I'm, I'm just a broken mess. I'm just somebody grabbing at Jesus' feet, reaching out to touch his cloak. I'm thankful for his mercy that washes over me. I'm just a little girl. <laughs> I'm just a girl, relieved to crawl into Jesus' lap and just curl up there. She's 25 years of age today. How many children does she have? 13 children. She says, people tell me I'm brave, people tell me I'm strong, people tell me good job. Well, here's the real truth of it. I'm really not that brave. I'm not really that strong. I'm not doing anything spectacular. I'm just doing, please underscore that word, accentuate that word, do. Anastrophe is what you do. I am just doing what God called me to do as a follower of him <laughs> I just feed a sheep. 
I just feed his sheep. Yes, the least of his sheep. It is absolutely amazing what a single adult, 25 years of age, sold out to Jesus Christ, what she can do for Christ. So, single adults, I come alongside you today, and by your example, I ask you to give, give us a positive, powerful representation of Christ in Austin, Texas. In your Lagos, what you say, in your conduct, how you live. And by the way, anastrophe involves not only what you say, but the very manner of life. The best translation I can come across is behavior. Let your behavior be exemplary. And then thirdly, Paul says, in your love, in your agape. Be an example of sacrificial living, Timothy. Be, be the guy, be that single adult, be that pastor, or be that Christian who is always loving the body, always showing up and helping, always giving their best, not, not complaining or worried and, and concerned about people looking down. No, no, don't worry about that. You don't have time to worry about that. You don't have time to worry about that. Just live for God and serve God and serve your people and love other people and just watch what God will do in your life. You know, Paul gives, he gives one of the greatest examples of pastoral ministry ever. Not only in his life, but for Timothy, but for Silas, for Luke, for any pastor. And we've got pastors and preachers in our congregation and many who watch us uh, through television and, and their, what do you call those little things? You download pods, podcast. Here it is. If there's one verse I would say, live this verse as a minister of the gospel, it would be this verse. Paul says, we affectionately long for you, and we were well pleased to impart unto you not only the gospel of God, watch this, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. As a minister of the gospel, Timothy, you give them sermons, amen, but more than that, you give them your life. And you be an example to the body of Christ in the way you treat one another, in the way that you love one another, in the way that you go out of your way and you die to yourself and you sacrifice your life and you just be like Jesus and, and agape people. I mean, love people, Timothy, and just be willing to lay down your life for them. Do this, Timothy. Do this. Oh, and you'll be an awesome tupas for the people of God. Forgive me for not emphasizing something earlier that I should have already emphasized. There's a little prepositional phrase in verse 12 that is absolutely important. i got to get you all to look at it with me, okay? The prepositional phrase is, to the believers. Ah, come on now. By the way, church, when we're together and I'm preaching, my goal is to equip you, to encourage you, to teach you the Scriptures. And you and me, we're to hear it, and then we're to put it into practice and actuate it, put, put action on it, and be an example to the rest of the churches in Austin. 
We, we are to go down deep with the Lord, go wide with the Lord, high with the Lord, and, and, just, and just be an example. And I don't want you to miss this. Because, Timothy, you are an example. Whether you like it or not, a good one or a bad one, but I'm challenging you, be an example to the rest of the church. And I don't want you all to miss that because that is very important. Okay, next is spirit. Now, this word, best I can tell as I've studied this text this week, is spirit in the sense of your inward life, your enthusiasm, your optimistic approach on life, your, your overall attitude. I love what Chuck Swindoll says about this word attitude. He says, attitude is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. Attitude. You know, the word enthusiasm is, is a great word. It's literally in theos, in, somebody help me, in God. Live a life that you are so in God and you are so excited about Him that you just kind of, you just have this fragrance about you, single adult, are you listening? You just got this fragrance about you and it's not your perfume or your cologne, but you've got this fragrance about you that is just contagious, it is affable, it is amicable, it is friendly, it is kind, it is joyous, it is giving, and when you emanate that life out of your spiritual pores, every Everybody who comes in contact with you says, I feel better about me because I have been in your presence. I think that's what he's talking about. You're your very spirit of who you are. You say, now, you, you, preacher, hold on a second. Pastor Danny, I, I hear what you're saying, rah, 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 but that's just not who I am. I was born in the negative mood. I'm going to die in the negative mood. All of this optimistic, rah, rah, I'm a realist. No, you, actually, you're a pessimist. And I'm coming alongside of you, and I want to squeeze some of that pessimism out of you and, and get you out. Some of you single adults, can I talk to you for just a minute? You say, we've well, been talking to us for 55 minutes. What else are you going to say? I only got 55 more, so just, just stay with me. Some of you kind of bent a little bit like me, okay? And you are happy with three people, me, myself, and I. I mean, you could tuck me away back there for 12 hours a day in my office, and I would just be going, yippee! I get to study and just pour into every Greek nuance and more. Some of y'all are going, you are strange, brother. You are weird. That's, that's just kind of who I am. I'm kind of bent that way. Now, I have to challenge that, and I have to get out. And my wife is like, get out of your study. And I'm like, you're right. There's a book I read. Can I just give you all the name of this book? It's a secular book. It's a friend of mine who's a marketing guru at the University of Florida. He graduated from there. He, he said, read this book. <laughs> Keith Ferrazzi's book, Never Eat Alone. I don't like that book. <laughs> don't eat alone. Get with people, fellowship with people. And here's the premise of the book if you don't want to buy it. The premise of the book is give your life away. Help other people. Go out with other people. And do whatever you can to make their life better. And as you prosper them, 
And as you do everything within your power to enable them and encourage them in your spirit, you are reaching out to them. And then he backs up and says, oh, if you do this, by the way, you can't imagine the blessings that will pour over your life. That's not bad advice from a secular book. It's called Never Eat Alone by Keith Ferrazzi. And I recommend it even though I don't always live it, but I'm trying. All right, in spirit. Okay, next. In faith. In pistis is the, is the Greek word. Now, I think it means two things. And I'm hurrying. I see what time it is. It's, uh, it's 12. Oh, it's really 11 o'clock. It's 11 o'clock. It's not 12 o'clock. Woo! Are they good? I'll get y'all for another hour. You say, I bet you can't preach an hour on the next two words. <laughs> I bet I can. Come on, preacher, help me. Us preachers, we, we can do this. We, we love to preach. We love to teach God's Word. Let me, I'm just kidding. No, I am serious about teaching God's Word, and I love it, but I'm just kidding about keeping you another hour. Sort of. Okay, here we go. E is E, or what is that? Five is faith. There are two meanings here. Don't, don't miss either one of them. Faith in belief, you with me? And faithfulness. Paul says, Timothy, be an example of, of a believer who just trusts in God. Single adults, is that not a good word? Because if there is one thing you want to do, is you want to figure it out, you want to work it out, and you don't want to trust God with your relationship. You don't want to trust God with your money because you know more than God. Timothy says, let's not do that. Let's just say, God, you're smarter than us. You know what's best. I'm going to trust you. I have not a clue, God, what you're up to. I'm absolutely confused what you're doing. I can't track your hand, but I can always trust your heart, and your heart is on me. So I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to believe you. I'm just going to believe God. That's one dimension of it. The other dimension is being faithful, finishing strong, living your life for the Lord in such a way that you become a model, the epitome of faithfulness. How many of y'all, we've got to have cable TV to do this. How many of y'all watched the Bible last Sunday night on TV? Any of you? Wow, most of you. We taped it, and I think we ended up, Hannah, when did we watch that? Monday? It was Monday night. Hannah's our 22-year-old single adult that lives in our house. And I also have a 20-year-old adult living in our house who's 30 pounds heavier than me. Just a block muscle. Bryant is his name. That boy can eat, eat. Lots of food, all right? And then Layton, our six-foot singer up, up here, they all live in our house. They're single, and I just hope none of them ever get married. I'm just going to be honest with you. I just hope they all stay and live with me happily ever after. That's not reality, all right? I know they're going to part with us one day, but I am enjoying our time together as a family. I really am. So Hannah and I are watching the History Channel. We're watching the Bible. By the way, on the Today Show on Monday morning, Matt Lauer said that the Bible is the number one watched cable show in the history of cable TV. 13 million, 13 million people have watched it. Now listen to this. 
I'm so thrilled that they're not having some long nose bisectable, what do you call those things? Bifocal people there going, well, we don't know if Jesus really rose from the dead, or we really don't know if Jesus had 18 wives. You nitwit, read the Bible. He never was married. He was single. And yes, he arose from the dead. I'm so sick and tired of scholars and theologians saying, well, the, you know, the Israelites, they only went through the Red Sea that was about as high as their ankles. And all the Egyptians died in ankle deep water. You know what I'm saying? I'm so tired of those people. I mean, just, just tell us what the Bible says. And so Mark Burnett, survivor, the Apprentice, something else, huh? The Voice, he's produced this, and all it is is the Bible. And guess what? The Bible's all you need. Now, they have some poetic license, I get that, but it is awesome. Here's the part. I said, Hannah, now this is just Moses or Adam and Eve to Moses in the Exodus. I said, Hannah, how many times... Are they going to use the word believe? And it dawned on me, this is God's way. It's always God's way. You have to believe. Why is it so hard for me? I mean, I have, I have a lot of education. And, and, and yet, sometimes I am just an infantile in my Christianity. Because you, all you have to do is Trust God. You trust Him. Just trust Him. Be an example. Finally is the word hagnia. And this word is what you think this word is, okay? It's not just purity. It's the S word. And I know we have children in the house, but it is that word. And some of you single adults going, I know you're going to say that. I, don't, I, I bet you even made this Greek word up. I bet it's not even the Bible. Because you just want to talk about sex, 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 and get pure, pure, pure. That's exactly what I'm saying. Because Paul said, you be an example in Ephesus of sexual purity, Timothy. I mean, he gave it to him. He said, you, and it's not just for Timothy. It's for all single adults. Not just for all single adults. It's for all followers of Christ. But that's not how everybody else, and they, man, they go down in 6th Street, they get wasted, then they go out in some hotel. They are not the church of God. You are. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, my friend, we are different. We have got to be different. And we've got to be different, especially in sexual purity. Because this is the granddaddy. This is the one that Paul closes out with Timothy. Timothy, listen to me carefully, my dear friend. I don't care if 98% of Ephesus goes down to Artemis and do their vile thing. You cannot do that. You can do that. And it will devastate your testimony. Listen to what one writer said. I just cannot improve on this. He said, God is very particular about how we treat our bodies and how we honor others. Sexual purity is a symbol of spiritual consecration. Misconduct in this area of life ruins our fellowship with Christ. And 
It destroys a person's influence and reputation with others. Like I said earlier, I know how you feel, but I don't know how you feel. I can't imagine being 22 today in Austin. I I, I can't imagine that. And, And the avalanche and the tsunami of temptation that flows over my life as a single adult. Some of you would say, Pastor, I'll just be flat out honest with you. I am not a virgin. I mean, I lost that many, many years ago, and I still struggle with it, you know. I still deal with it. Do you think God, do you think God could forgive me? I mean, really, do you think he can forgive me? And then maybe, maybe even today I can say, man, I'm, t- I'm thinking about a single adult in our church. He's here today, right here in this sanctuary. I ate lunch with him not long ago, and he says, yeah, okay, I blew it. I'll be honest with you in college. But you know what? God's forgiven me, and I'm sold out. I am sold out to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And to that I say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why not from this day forward be sold out for Jesus? Yes, I, I was a virgin when I got married, and I'm, I'm grateful to God for that. And, I, I, and my wife was as well. And some of you are not going to be able to say that. Well, listen to me now. God, from this day forward, and there's this big movement going on in America called Born Again Virgins. It's where people say, I got to stop. I got to stop that. I cannot continue to do this and say that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Singles, I hope I just haven't just blown you completely out of the water. I hope you don't walk out here going, oh, my word. I'm just a reprobate going to hell. I'm just awful. I'm just terrible. I hope you don't feel that way. I'm coming alongside of you, and I'm saying, as your pastor, I've got great expectations for you. I want you to be an example to the rest of us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I want to close us with an invitation and invite you whoever you may be, but especially if you're one of our single adults and you just want to come to the altar and you want to pray, you want to pray with one of our pastors and just say, hey, and I'm in. I'm all in. I'm committed. But it's not easy. And a little prayer and a little of encouragement would go a long way. God bless you. We would love to do that for you. We would love to pray with you, pray for you. Others of you are here today and you say, wow, I'd be honest, man, (laughs) Is that really Christianity where you follow Jesus and you do certain things and you don't do certain things? Well, Christianity is where you're just in love with Jesus and you just want to please him, okay? That's what Christianity is. You you just want to love him. You just want to walk with him. And in doing so, there are some roads you can't take and there are a multitude of roads that you can take. I think the devil has duped so many, especially single adults, and thinking that following Jesus is the most boring thing under the sun, and it's not. So I'm inviting you today, if you don't know Christ, if you've never committed your life to him, yielded yourself to him, I invite you today say, God, here I am. I'm sorry for my sins. And by faith, I trust in you, Jesus Christ, alone to be my Lord and God, be my Savior and King. Forgive me of my sins. I commit my life to you. I believe there are many today in this church right now who need to do that. Would you let us help you do that? We would be honored, honored to pray with you, encourage you, walk with you, and begin this thing called the Christian life. Father, I pray today for lost people to be saved. I pray for those that are wandering aimlessly 
in this wilderness of life. And God, you would just point them to you. You would open their hearts and they would yield themselves to you, Jesus. And I pray for our church. God, I thank you for the dozens and dozens of single adults who are faithful, faithful to you. I pray, God, they would be encouraged today. I, I pray they would be exhorted. I, I ask you, God, to fill them and encourage and em, embolden them, God, to not only live for you, Jesus, but also to live for you in such a way that they are an example to the rest of us. And this is my prayer. And I believe, I believe, and I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.